0: From the Polium Center for Contemporary Media at DePaul University, I'm JNP, and this is Modern Media. We're doing a special podcast today, looking at net neutrality from several different angles. As the FCC prepares to vote on whether or not to roll back net neutrality regulations, I thought it might be important to ask some questions that I have, and then I'm guessing you have too. What's at stake here in terms of a democratic process, in terms of the politics of representation, in terms of innovation, how does this even work technically? And what are the policy implications? In order to get at some of these questions, I've asked four guests to come join me in the podcast studio. Our podcast will be distributed as four separate installments for ease of listening and sharing. But I hope you'll see them as being of a piece that seeks to expand our understanding of what's at stake with net neutrality. Part three. What do you mean by fast lane? We hear a lot about fast lanes, and slow lanes, or fast lanes and really fast lanes on the internet, but how does that actually work? In this installment, I sit down with Professor Doug Harms of the Computer Science Department at DePaul University, and he explains to me how networks function and how internet service providers might be able to prioritize some content over others. So I'm talking with uh, Professor Doug Harms, who is a professor in the computer science uh, department at DePaul University. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the technical side of net neutrality and some of these regulations that uh, are are of concern. Let's start with a basic question, which is what even – is, I mean, we talk about net neutrality like we know what a network is. <laughs> um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what networks are and, and how they're structured and so why any of this would – a matter And how, and then we'll get into sort of how
1: people actually – how companies would actually do this speeding up and slowing sure. down. Thing. Okay. Yeah. So basically a network is a collection of – I mean currently hundreds of millions of computers. And some of those computers, sometimes they say that they're on the edge of the network. In other words, those are the clients and servers that we use. So your iPhones and your Androids and your laptops and your desktops are all on the edge edge of the internet. Mm-hmm. And typically what we do with our computers is uh, we term those clients. Okay. So they are not creating data. What we need from a client, uh, like a user, would be data. And someplace else on the edge of the internet is a server. So when I want to get the weather for Greencastle, I'll get in my okay. web browser and I'll say, you know, www.weather.com or whatever. And I am a client asking information from a server. So someplace out there on the internet is another computer, the server, that has weather about, you know, Greencastle, and it will then send information back to me. So a lot typically when we think of the Internet, what we're thinking about are the clients and the servers, kind of the edges of the Internet. Inside the Internet are millions of computers that don't really have information on their own. All they're doing is they're routing Okay. And so we call those routers or switches or bridges, something like that. And for this for this conversation, I'm going to use all those terms interchangeably, mm-hmm. even though technically they, they, they are different. But you know, mm-hmm. for right now, routers and switches. So the way the internet works, when a client, let's say, uh, wants to request something, so all data in the Internet going through the Internet is encapsulated in something called an IP packet. And an IP packet is a little bit of data and what the packet has, at least for this discussion, uh, every, okay, every computer on the Internet has a unique, at least simplistically, a unique address called an IP address. And sometimes, I mean, listeners may have seen those. It's like 163.120.18.95 or yeah. something. So at least conceptually, we can, we can think of every computer having a unique IP address. And so when on my phone when I want to request something from weather.com, my phone will create an IP packet, and that packet will have the destination IP address of where this packet is headed to, and it has the address of my iPhone, the source packet, and then it has a payload, some data. And my phone will then transmit that to the first router in this path, which is, if it's a wireless device, it's like the access point that you're connected Mm to. And from there... The Internet takes that packet, I mean, if you can think of the Internet, Mm -hmm. and the first router then looks at the packet, and at least in the simplistic case, it looks at the destination address, and it says, well, who do I need to send this to? And then it forwards it on to another router. And then that router looks at that packet and says, well, this is going to weather.com. Where do I need to forward it to? And it forwards it to routers. And there's actually a way you can look at the path between your computer and a server. Mm -hmm. And typically there are about maybe a dozen to 20 hops in between you and the server. And so at the edges of this path are the source, my iPhone, and then the destination, weather.com. And there may be a dozen or 20 other little routers in between. So in this discussion of net neutrality, what we're kind of looking at is what do those routers do with the packets? So the routers are these intermediate nodes between me and weather.com. In kind of the pure net neutrality idea, what each router does is a packet comes in, the router looks at the destination IP address, and somehow knows, using routing tables and whatever, where it has to go next. And it doesn't look at anything else. It doesn't look at what's in the packet. It doesn't look at where the packet's coming from. It just forwards. I, I guess I would say pure net neutrality is just the network itself. All those intermediate nodes don't really care what, what it is. It's, it's just forwarding packets, and all packets are treated identically. Now, the, there are some issues that come up even if we don't look at net neutrality. So, for example, each of the routers... Uh, We call them store-and-forward routers because basically what happens is a packet comes into a router, the router stores it temporarily, then it looks at the destination address, it forwards it to some output port. So we could have buffering where, let's say, an output port, maybe a bunch of packets are being sent to the same output port and only one can go out at a time. So if a lot of packets are coming into a router and they're all being routed to the same output port, the output port's going to have to buffer the packets for a little bit. And so the, one of the issues is, how does it buffer those? Is it a pure first-in, first-out? Mm-hmm. Or it's possible that some packets could have a priority. So if you have a packet coming into a router going out to an output port that has a higher priority, it might skip to the front of the line to get sent out faster. So that's one way we could a router could distinguish some packets from others, is it kind of moves them up to the beginning of the line. A similar question is, or a similar issue would be, the, these little buffers... Are finite; They're relatively small. So if too many packets are going to an output port, the router can't keep them all, and so it has to drop something. And so packets could get dropped in the Internet. They just disappear. And so, again, you have a decision to make in a router. If the, if the buffer is full for an output port, do we just drop the newest packet? Or maybe if the new packet has a higher priority, we kick out some existing packet in the queue and put this one in instead. Okay. I mean, you know, we could, we could do that. And another issue with a router would be, you know, it's, it's uh, routing a packet to weather.com. And maybe it could take two different paths that it knows both will get to weather.com, but these t- different paths could have different characteristics, like one could be faster, one could be more reliable. And so how does the router it could it could send it to either one of the outputs and so how does it decide so do some packets go with a faster one or do some packets go with a slower one or the reliability okay. and so and and so to me the idea of net neutrality is that as routers are being configured somehow we're fair and all packets are treated e- are you know treated equally in some sense okay and so much
0: like the since since Title Two of the FCC mm-hmm. now create treats the internet as a common carrier, and that's what's being sort of debated here. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a lot like the post office. So the the postal service does not look at your packages. Right. They don't. Hopefully not. They <laughs> hopefully, they don't distinguish between a uh, summons to jury duty, which you need to get and right. need to respond mm-hmm. to, and a bill from or an advertisement from uh, Discover trying to get you to buy a credit right. card. Mm-hmm. They don't distinguish between, they get there at the same time, ideally, um, unless you've paid extra, you've sure. paid extra, right? Right. And I'm wondering if that's the model they're thinking about. So if you, how, I guess one of the questions I have is, how do these packets, these IP, mm-hmm. pack get? how could they get assigned priority?
1: Right. So there are a number of ways that they could be assigned priority. Uh, so, and, and this is kind of where I think net neutrality comes in. So you could have an agreement between the internet company, the all, you know the company that owns all the routers, let's say AT and T or Comcast or whatever. They may have an agreement with Netflix or whatever that Netflix packets will be higher priority. Okay. And so, you know, that that's one possibility. Take me through a real sort okay. of wonky sure. moment here. Um,
0: how would they assign priority? Like, how? What's the technical? Way that happens? So, uh,
1: one way might be within the routers. Okay. It looks at the source IP address. Okay. Right. So, the the way I described routing, it was only looking at the destination IP address. Yeah. But if you also look at the source IP address, it could say, "Oh, this is coming from you know NBC." Yeah. And I am now going to route this to the to the
0: fast okay. network. So it's not saying, "Here's the packet." And now it has this priority. It's just actually looking at where it's coming from. It could. Or, okay. or, you could
1: add fields into the. I, I mean, the, the way I described the IP packet, it just had a source and destination address. But yeah. you could have a priority field. Okay. Or it could actually look at the data within the packet to see what what are we transporting and give different priorities to. Yeah, and so this is a different this is a different subject, right? So typically,
0: as we talked about with the post office, you don't look at the packets. You don't right. look at the content of the packet. It's just data going through. Right. Mm-hmm. You can know how much, but not what. Now, this opens the opportunity for a Verizon, a, a, a Time Warner, a Comcast to start looking potentially at the content of information and prioritizing some kinds of content over others. It could, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: so technically that's feasible. Yeah. And it it's not quite as simple as it initially sounds. Uh, oh, sure. Because uh, IP packets are relatively small. Okay. So, so a couple of things could complicate. I mean, just… Technically, uh, if you have if the if the server or whatever has a lot of data to send, it breaks it up into smaller IP packets and so looking at a particular IP packet, you may just be getting the middle of the much larger data and so you may not be able to tell too much about okay. that plus uh, a lot of packets are now encrypted end to end for security reasons yeah. and whatever, yeah. and so your individ- okay. you know your intermediate routers may not be able to look sure too much into it because if it's encrypted or whatever but but theoretically you know it could look
0: at look at the data I okay mean, and data is i mean what we know now is that data is incredibly valuable mm-hmm. right i mean companies like amazon I would argue, for instance, do seem to be in the business of selling goods, but they also seem to be in the business of selling data sure. mm-hmm. to other to third parties. Right. Oh, right. Google, Google does that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have one business model over here that we like. We get yeah, stuff right, from them. Right, And then they have another business model over here that we don't really know much about. <laughs> right. That we, Until, are, we are really the, the product there. Right. So I guess the last question I have for you is, as a so as a computer scientist, as someone mm-hmm. who knows how all this works, and frankly, you know what the what the large companies want to do seems pretty fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. uh, from a technical perspective. So why? Uh, what what you seem to be somebody who doesn't want to see net neutrality go away. Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct.
1: What's your uh, What's your reasoning for that? So personally, I think that the net it, internet access is a fundamental. I mean, it it, it, it now meets the bar of something fundamental that we need access to. Okay. And anytime you have something fundamental, when you have somebody controlling it and kind of filtering it that's not being monitored, that bothers me. And so having my ISP kind of direct me towards some sites better than others I there's a big potential for manipulation. Yeah. And then also part of it is, you know, from the history of this, I mean, the Internet started out as a very net neutral, you know. And so that's kind of how I grew up with the Internet yeah. is, you know, of course, everything's treated equally. We're in this egalitarian era, yeah. yeah. And, and so part of it is historical for me. Yeah. Right? But I think in the current, in the current uh, situation, yeah. I, I, I think information's vital. And information is vital to a democracy, information is vital to our republic. And, and having businesses for business decisions direct me or coerce me into one, one, one area I think is just bad for our, for, for our democracy. Doug Harms is a professor in the computer
0: science department at DePaul University where he teaches a wide range of courses on computer graphics, networks, and ethics. In part four, I'll be talking to Professor Barbara Cherry of the Media School at Indiana University about the legal, economic, and policy implications of net neutrality. Modern Media is a production of the Pulliam Center for Contemporary Media at DePaul University. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm JNP, and this is Modern Media.